From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. On today's show, we travel to Springfield, Louisiana, to visit a medical center offering innovative treatment for addiction recovery. We hear from the center's founders as well as a former patient. But first... The Baton Rouge area will be the first in the state to start a new program that parish officials hope will relieve some of the strain between law enforcement and the communities they serve. The goal is to refocus traffic stops from punitive disciplinary interactions into more supportive encounters where police are helping drivers solve problems rather than just issuing tickets. The Lights On program equips police with vouchers they can hand to motorists that they pull over for broken taillights or turn signals. Here to tell us more is Christopher Zonka, Executive Director of the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, the organization that is sponsoring the program. Welcome to Louisiana Considered, Christopher. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate you having me on. So tell us about how this program works and and how did it come to Louisiana? Uh, Well, you really just summed it up there in your... uh in your intro, but we discovered this program through uh, one of the many networks that we're connected with, um, with other criminal justice coordinating councils around the country and other uh, jurisdictions that are doing some of the work that we're doing, uh, just came across our radar, seemed interesting to us. So we reached out to the Lights On program. It's founded in Minnesota, uh, actually Minneapolis, and it came out of an incident, which was a routine traffic stop that ended badly. Uh, and some advocates and some law enforcement there got together to work, think of a way to have more positive outcomes and um, show that there you can have a more supportive relationship between law enforcement and community. Uh, and this came out of it. This was one of the things that came out of it. And, and this the premise is very simple. Like you said, if an officer pulls you over for a traffic stop, uh, whether it's speeding or anything else, and you have faulty equipment, typically they would write you a citation for that. And that would cost you more money when you go to court um, on top of whatever else you were pulled over for. What they can do now, they have the option of issuing these vouchers that you can take to a predetermined service station and the faulty equipment will get fixed up to $250 uh, free of charge. So I, I think that goes a long way to help um, turn those traffic, routine traffic stops into, a, like you said, a more supportive encounter, um, allows the community to see that, you know, the law enforcement is there to help them if they have the tools to help them. And this is really good step in that direction. East Baton Rouge Parish Mayor President Sharon Weston Broom, who's a member of the CJCC board, says lights on can build trust between citizens and law enforcement and make us safer. You mentioned the program was founded after the death of Philando Castile in 2016. For those who don't remember, he died after a police officer shot him after Castile informed the officer he had a registered weapon in his vehicle. Christopher, are you suggesting that a program like this might have stopped that interaction from turning deadly? And if so, how? Well, I don't know. And again, the specifics of that, it's hard to go back and say, you know, this would have changed the entire outcome of that. I, I'm, I guess the the focus and the goal of the program, from what I'm hearing from you, is m- more of healing. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not very often that when you see those flashing lights behind you and you get pulled over, that when the officer walks away, that you're left better off than when he before he pulled you over. Um, but I think in this instance, if you received a voucher for that, you would, the end of the meeting, you would feel better off than when you were pulled over because now you have a means to fix what you needed to fix and possibly couldn't afford to do. Uh, so, yes, I think it's a very good beginning at starting the healing process um, and building trust between the community and law enforcement. And I've told, um, I've had this conversation several times over the last couple of months is that, you know, no matter what, whether it's a local incident or it's a national incident, it all affects that, that trust bond between the community and the police. So anything we can do locally to show that, you know, here in Baton Rouge and East Baton Rouge Parish that, you know, law enforcement is here to protect and serve and help when they can. I know it's beginning just here in, in Baton Rouge with the Baton Rouge Police Department and Sheriff's Department. How receptive has law enforcement been to to this program? Oh, they were very receptive from the very first time we, we brought them in to have a conversation about it. It really was a win-win for them because they get to do something that they, they have a tool added to their, you know, their belt that they have to use at these traffic stops that could help that relationship that they didn't have before. That tool, um, plus it comes at no cost to them because we're using private funds. So it, it really was win-win. We're speaking with Christopher Zonka, Executive Director of the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, about the new Lights On program that allows police officers on traffic stops to provide vouchers for free repairs on mechanical problems instead of issuing tickets. The, uh, the Baton Rouge Police and Sheriff's Departments will be the first in, in Louisiana to implement lights on. Are there plans to expand into other areas of the state? I really believe there will be. Um, once we start collecting data from this and showing the success of the program as far as the vouchers being issued and redeemed and maybe some anecdotal evidence of, you know, personal stories of how this helped them out. I think this is a real easy sell for other jurisdictions. Uh, the The goal is to next year, when it comes up to refund this program, to tie in some corporate sponsors. Uh, the program itself is sponsored, and it is across the country in several different states, but the Minnesota Vikings sponsored the program for several jurisdictions in Minnesota, New England Patriots, Jacksonville Jaguars. So the thought is maybe reaching out to the Saints. Um, and get NOLA and some of the other jurisdictions around here on board that would like to participate in this to see if this is something that we can continue doing. How, how do you define success in this program? What are, what are the metrics that you're using to determine if it's been successful? So successful for us on a data side is if, the vouch if we're getting near 100% redemption of the vouchers that are being issued, then and we use you know most of the funds that we have or if not all the funds that we have set aside for this for the first year i think that's successful but there's another side of success to that in that i think we need to find a way to talk to the people who are being affected and utilizing these vouchers and see how it helped them because because that's a whole different success that we need to capture how did you develop this network of shops we haven't talked a whole bunch about this but they're are several shops that have signed up willing to participate in the program. People can go to these shops with the vouchers. Yeah, we um, we let the agencies decide. So each, the police department and the sheriff's office 
both were able to select four um, community-owned shops that uh, would participate in this. And then they gave those names to us. And when the person gets the voucher, there'll be a website they can go to. It will list all the all the participating shops on that voucher. And the vouchers are printed in Spanish and English. Uh, and then take those to the vouchers and they have been indoctrinated on how this process works, how the vouchers are redeemed. Christopher, I know this is the first year, the initial year. What challenges do you think you'll face in continuing the program beyond this? Well, I'm hoping none, <laughs> um, but that's my that's my wishful thinking. I'm hoping this is just, um, like I said, win-win. Everybody loves it and works exactly as planned. Um, I, I think there's going to be a little, it, it'll be a little slow to roll out as, you know, the different agencies are getting used to it. There's going to be a little training period. The vouchers are actually anticipated to be delivered by the end of this week. Then the um, specific locations within each department, their patrol districts will be trained on what to do with them, how to collect the data, how to turn that in. And then, um, so it may be a little slow to get up and running. I'm hoping it takes no longer than a month or two before it becomes just natural habit of these patrol officers if they're doing a traffic stop and there is faulty equipment that they start issuing. Christopher Zonka, Executive Director of the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council. Christopher, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Karen. I appreciate it. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. For years, people have been looking to Springfield Wellness Center in Springfield, Louisiana, to receive NAD treatment. The center pioneered this treatment for conditions like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and PTSD, and is the first center to use the molecule to help patients struggling with addiction, specifically addictions to alcohol, opioids, and methamphetamines. For more information on this treatment, its effectiveness, and where it might be headed, we're joined by Paula Norris Medier and Dr. Richard Medier, founders of Springfield Medical Center. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for Thank having you us. For having us. We're also joined by Patrick Uloff, former Springfield patient and current outreach coordinator. Thank you, Patrick, for coming on. Thank you for having me. We'll start with you, Dr. Medier. Can you tell us a little more about NAD? What is it, what it stands for, and how does it work? Okay, um, yeah, that, that could be a, like a, a, a one-year lecture, but we'll, we'll start with just the basics. Uh, NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It's a coenzyme of niacin, which is vitamin B3. It was the third vitamin to be discovered and uh, was discovered in, in relation to the pellagra epidemic as a, basically something that resolved that pellagra epidemic in the late 20s, early 30s. Um, it's been researched for, for many years. Initially, it was uh, very important to provide cellular energy, but we've learned since then that it does a lot of other things uh, in its signaling aspects to help with uh, it, repair of your DNA, improvement in your immune function, uh, multiple uh, reactions, me metabolic reactions in the body, it helps. Um, and it also helps with uh, a whole body of proteins called sirtuins to activate them. And then there's the stuff we don't know yet. 
How does this differ from other forms of serotonin boosters, like something you could get over the counter? That's why I'm involved in research to try to understand this better. But for instance, the serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitor will boost serotonin. But the way I, we think IVNAD works is by improving the in, inflammation that may be involved in the brain. It also um, helps with the, the batteries in the cell, the mitochondria. It improves mitochondria function. So you're optimizing your battery so your battery works better so you can get nutrients in and get uh, toxins out, helping with your mitochondria function in your brain. All right. Well, Paula, let's go to you. Tell us a, a bit about when and how you started using this treatment for patients that are grappling with addiction and, and what results did you begin to see? Well, it becomes personal. My daughter uh, at 16 started experimenting and I decided that I needed to uh, jump on top of that right away. She was the first person who received this IV treatment and uh, she's now 40 and uh, doing extraordinarily well. Uh, what was remarkable was that there was no craving following her treatment. So your and daughter, I, your daughter is, daughter is the first patient that was battling drug addiction that you tried this treatment on? Yes, yes. And that's when we, uh, I, I tried my best to open up a clinic in, in this area and started treating people uh, along with uh, uh, a physician who had also gotten this treatment uh, before in Mexico. But in any case, uh, we have been doing it now for 22 years. That's how we discovered the value of the NAD as it relates to other neurodegenerative diseases. Um, we just started off, because we're mental health professionals, we just started off treating people for uh, addiction and helping with uh, uh, de depression and anxiety as well, because those kind of go along with the addiction. We're speaking with Paula Norris Medier and Dr. Richard Medier, founders of the Springfield Medical Center, and Patrick Uloff, a Springfield Patient Outreach Coordinator. Patrick, I'd like to go to you at this point. Can you tell us a bit about your journey, the journey that led to Springfield and what your experience was like with the NAD treatment? Oh, yes, ma'am. So I came through roughly 14 years ago now. Uh, I'm a combat veteran. I was in the Marine Corps several combat tours i came back from came back from the battlefield dealing with ptsd the depression on at the time didn't know what i was dealing with so um it was hard for me to pretty much survive in the in the everyday everyday world and i came through here and just after my second day of receiving the nad uh, through the iv i was my nightmares were gone the anxiety and the depression had uh, gone away. So at that point, I was able to concentrate on my mental health and really rebuild my life. And now I've been with them for work, employed with them for going over 11 years now. That's a, an amazing turnaround in just a couple of days of treatment to have that kind of result. Yes, yes. And, uh, and since I've been here, you know, uh, after the second day, it, it helped me and I, it turned around, but I was able, we, we do a 10-day treatment, so it's able to 
stack those levels of the NAD on you. So it's beneficial. You get your energy back, um, your sleep pattern that, that is always thrown off that that's back in the mental clarity that you get to be able to concentrate on, on working on yourself that the NAD gives all that back to you as well. So that's what made it possible for, for me to succeed in, in my treatment. And now you work as a patient coordinator. Can you tell us a bit about what that role entails? Yes, ma'am. So what I do is uh, mainly uh, I go out and do a lot of the uh, public outreach, go into the different facilities. I go to the conferences. And if anybody calls and has in, wants information on the treatment or is wondering if this treatment will be beneficial for them, uh, I'm the person you talk to. Dr. Medier, is there any more research being done on NAD as a form of treatment for addiction? Any scientific studies in the works? There is a research project. We have research partners in Australia that we've worked with all along. We did a, early on, we did a research project with IV NAD with normal folks showing the dynamics, the pharmacodynamics, what happens to the molecule when it goes into the system, what, what, what metabolites come out, how long they last. And right now we're engaged with them. We're actually, our NAD Research Inc. is funding their research where we're, where, where we're gonna standardize NAD levels in the blood for various populations. They've been working for five or six years on developing a blood test that can tell you what your NAD level is accurately and reliably and reproducibly. And so now we're about standardizing what's normal levels uh, so that let's say you're a certain age, certain sex, what your level should be, and then what we need to do to get that level where we think it, it should be. One of the facts that this group found way back was that NAD levels drop as you get older. But once you hit 45, your levels tend to drop. And we think that's associated with aging. That's very difficult research. It might, if you if you have a strategy with NAD, it might be 20 or 30 years before you realize it's it's done something in the anti-aging space. So there's a, there's yeah. much research that's in progress. So you know who knows what's to come in, in the next stage of use for NAD. Are there any potential side effects that are known currently? What should people know before they try NAD? Well, there are some unique things, you know, thousands of IVs. There's no sustained side effect after a day or two or three. But there are some side effects with the infusion that, that you need to watch. Uh, and it has to do with the rate of the infusion. There are some populations you have to watch. There's a disease called Gilbert's disease, which is a liver disease. Uh, we also, I'm very careful with people with true bipolar disorder because it can be activating and energizing. We haven't had anybody switch to mania, but I worry about that. And so we like for them to be on, on the meds that control their mania before we do the IV. There's controversy um, about if you have active cancer, because cancer you, needs NAD to, to grow. Concern is, would you, would you ag aggravate that? And we think that's not the case. There's a lot of people that have weighed in that. But, but a good research project has not been done yet. I would like to end with a question for all of you. NAD is a treatment. It's not a cure. So patients that are grappling with addiction, what, what are some other methods of treatment 
or advice and, and how can different forms of treatment work together to tackle something like addiction? Let's start with you, Paula. Understanding that this is about the brain when it relates to addiction. And as my husband's been famous for saying, and I quote him all the time, the brain mediates everything. And so what I try to do with patients is help them understand that the the name of the game is let's keep your brain healthy. And Patrick, your thoughts on other types of treatment and how maybe treatments working together can help tackle addiction? Uh, I would say the main thing with the NAD is also um, a great supporting cast at home and and uh, your environment and staying in that same, uh, say, toxic, toxic environment isn't always the best thing. So between with what um, what Paula Medier said and, and the NAD, that's definitely something. And we've been talking with husband and wife team, Paula Norris Medier, Dr. Richard Medier, founders of the Springfield Wellness Center in Springfield, Louisiana, and Patrick Uloff, the Springfield Patient Outreach Coordinator. Thank you all for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mardi Gras season is well underway. And while some younger people might attend parades with nothing more than a cup for drinks and a bag for throws, for parents of young kids, going to a parade involves a checklist, car seat, stroller, and maybe even a ladder. In 2005, that's right, 18 years ago, NPR's Chris Rose watched a parade from on top a ladder he brought for his kids. Today, we're going back to the archives to bring you this story. The view of Mardi Gras is very different as a parent, and I mean that literally. I never get invited to the girls gone wild parties in the French Quarter anymore. Now I see it all, the brilliant floats, the dancing girls, the marching bands, from atop a structure called a Mardi Gras ladder. After the procurement of a jogging stroller and a car safety seat, it is the most important acquisition a new parent in South Louisiana must secure. Mardi Gras ladders are standard indoor painter's ladders retrofitted with box crates on top. The crates serve as viewing stands for the children. One of the first signs that carnival is upon us every year is the appearance of these ladders on the sidewalks outside local hardware stores. You can see literally tens of thousands of them lining the parade routes in and around New Orleans today. Mine is painted the traditional Mardi Gras colors, purple, green, and gold. It's fitted with safety straps, an umbrella holder, hooks upon which to hang our beads, and most importantly, cup holders. That's to free my hands to protect my kids' faces from the strands of beads fired at them by jubilant revelers upon the floats. Uptown, where I am right now, Families gather in masses under the stately oaks of the St. Charles Avenue streetcar line. Here, territorial disputes are becoming all too common. As one guy puts his kid's ladder in front of your kid's ladder and, well, the ensuing imbroglio often distracts the police from their more noble pursuits of cuffing public urinators and breast flashers. Sometimes the cops get fed up and just throw all the ladders they can find in a truck and haul them away to who knows where, leaving the owners in quite a pickle. Because, after all, Mardi Gras may end today, but the St. Paddy's Day parades are just around the corner. And if you want the best vantage point from which to catch the cabbages and the onions they throw into the crowd, well, you know what you're going to need.
From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. Thanks to our guests, Executive Director of the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, Christopher Zonka, founders of Springfield Medical Center, Paula Norris Medier and Dr. Richard Medier, and Springfield Patient and Current Outreach Coordinator, Patrick Uloff. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our digital editor is Caitlin Ohholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman and Aubrey Purcell. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Historic New Orleans Collection.